September 21st, 2017, downtown San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference, the world's first and only conference focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. Learn, grow, and succeed with the top minds in the sales development space. Keynote speakers include Henry Schock, CEO of Discover Org, Manny Medina, CEO of Outreach, Christina McMillan, Director of Research at Topo, and legendary sales trainer. John Burrows, among many, many others. No fluff, no filler, just the data, research, and networking you need to grow your career and become a stronger sales development leader. Go to 10bound.com slash conference to get your early bird ticket today. Again, 10bound.com slash conference to lock in this incredible opportunity today. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am absolutely uh, thrilled to have our guest on the show today, uh, Mr. Gabe Larson, the Vice President of Inside Sales Labs within InsideSales.com. Gabe, how are you doing today? Yeah, fantastic. I'm excited to be on. I mean, sales development, it's close to home. I'm excited and passionate about the topic, so appreciate the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I know that you're out working, you're working with clients, you're, you're doing stuff. Um, you're not... You're not in an ivory tower, so I appreciate you making some time, Gabe. And um, I, I just want to make people familiar. I mean, we see your, your, uh, your mug on uh, LinkedIn and different uh, webinars and things like that. But if, if people haven't run into Gabe yet, tell us about your background and how you came to be running the Inside Sales Lab at InsideSales.com. Yeah, you know, so I'll, I'll try to make it short, but I spent a couple of years as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs and did some consulting in a company called Accenture, and then uh, jumped overseas for four years uh, with doing some consulting in the Middle East. But, you know, I've always had kind of a, an affinity to sales. My first job out of college was actually at a company called Sales Team Automation, which you now know is InsideSales.com. I led a team of about five people. In, in early, early days of InsideSales.com, there was only six of us back then. So I boomeranged. 15 years later, I came back to Inside Sales and I wanted to run a strategic consulting organization. I believe that technology is awesome, but if you don't have people, systems, processes, you're just barking up the wrong tree. So I started at Inside Sales, what we called the Momentum Strategy Team, and we grew it to about 28 people, focused solely on um, sales strategy, process optimization, compensation strategies, cadence strategies. And I did that for three years, and I, I spent so much time on the road just working with different companies. I mean, the best thing about it was still in people's playbooks. You know, I, I got to go to Google. I got to go to VMware. I got to go to, I mean, HubSpot. I mean, I saw all these and I, I mapped their sales process and saw what they were doing. And I really wanted to dovetail it into more research and best practice. And so I pitched the organization here on what we call Inside Sales Labs. And um, it's now officially our research and best practice arm of inside sales. So I'm responsible for our, our podcast. We do a research study once a month and I spend 60% of my time speaking and writing and the other 40, 40% of my time, I'm still on the road like I am at, at this exact moment, uh, consulting with clients on how to maximize sales. Oh man, for, okay. For, so for all the sales development geeks, including me, dude, I, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I want, <laughs> I want, when I grow up, I want to be Gabe Larson, man, that sounds very, very cool. <laughs> you know the thing—the the thing that's best about it, Dave, is that you, 
I still get to play a little bit of both worlds because, man, being on the road and doing all consulting was tough. This better balance of, you know, you know, two weeks at home and then a week on the road, it's so much better than three or four weeks on the road. So I, I like the balance of being with clients but still being able to kind of think and write. Yeah, exactly. Because I think if you get too far away from it and you haven't been on the road for a while, it becomes more theoretical. But you're actually still, you said 40% or, you know, 40, 40 50%, you're out there with them still, you know, it, with the practitioners making it happen, right? Yeah. I mean, I was just up at T Mobile last week. They're building out a large sales development organization. Shout out to Melanie and team up there. But yeah, I mean, we're I, I'm, I, every Friday I do a, a, a session with those guys. I um, was in another company in Austin, so I'm still probably, you know, seven days, uh, ten days of the month. I'm still traveling, and you're right. It's it. it I I wanted this role to be more real. You know, we I won't point out any research firms in the space, but sometimes it it gets theoretical. It gets we did a survey of a couple hundred people. And, and it's great, but I want to get in and actually do it with them. You know, some of the stuff, for example, we just came out with this thing we called the coffee play. It's where me and a sales rep here at InsideSales.com, we sat down, we built kind of a campaign in partnership with our sales development guys, and we ran it, we watched the numbers, and I just I'm, I'm was part of it. You know, we were doing it and seeing the action and keeping that mental edge, I think, just keeps the content obviously a little bit tighter. So I'm really excited to be able to do both. Yeah, I mean, and and so this is really interesting because when I thought of Inside Sales Labs, it was more of like a think tank where it's a bunch of researchers, you know, pouring through data. But I really like your approach of actually going out, trying things, running plays, seeing how it goes. You're really experimenting on a on a you know a, almost like a scientific level or something like that, right? You bring up a good point because we kind of have the two legged monster there, right? Mm -hmm. So. I've got two analysts and all they do, you know, inside sales, one of the things that's great about us, we have some fun sales acceleration technology, but we do have a big data play that most of the other kind of sales acceleration companies, I don't think they, they're they quite there. In our 10-year history, we've gathered over 100 billion sales interactions. I mean, anytime a phone call is made, like Dave, for example, I'm doing a study right now with my analysts. We're looking at nearly a billion phone calls. That that's a Whoa. billion with a B, right? I mean, so we do have that, and we got two guys who all they do is play around in kind of our big data, and they're trying to do a research report every month. But then I've got two people that are more like, like you said, they're kind of the guys with the white coats, and we just go around and we're trying to figure out, damn it, you know, what, what experiments are working and what, what what's not working. So we're trying to do both, and, and I like having again both of those kind of arrows in my quiver. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a practitioner, you know, you get frustrated out there, your average sales development team, you know, it's frustrating because they're, they're putting out a lot of effort every day. They're making tons of phone calls. They're sending emails. They're, they're trying to, you know, put a, a value prop in front of people that will make them interested enough to take a meeting. And I, I think it's it becomes, uh, you know, kind of almost lonely in a way because you're, you're not getting you don't have that research, you know, to be able to iterate on your process. And you're kind of you're almost a shot in the dark in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it, it is. Right. I mean, I had been in that role. Right. You know, I've, I've run that inside sales team. I've been the inside sales guy. And I remember, you know, 
there are a lot of good there's always good material out there don't get me wrong but some of it is a little more theoretical the thing i think people struggle with is they do want to get to that tactical uh you know they want the tactical recommendations the problem is probably the most empowering thing for me and i feel like i've seen it in other reps is and that's why i wanted to call this this division labs because i really feel like dave if we're going to get to a higher level in sales development we got to start taking on some of those principles and best practices of marketers. And I know we're not sending a thousand emails and I know we're not doing a million phone calls a day, but even if you as a sales development rep are sending 10 emails or, you know, you're, you're, you're making 10 phone calls and you're getting two conversations and you test, you know, which initial, we call it a first call sequence, which first call sequence was better than the other, you know, which one seemed to resonate better with the, the prospector, which one of my emails, you know, which, which subject line is doing better? Have I tested out different pillars of a cadence, right? All our research is saying people are focusing on kind of phone, email, and social, but texting's coming online. High-impact mailers are killing it in account-based sales. Are you testing those things? So I feel like if we can get that testing mindset, this labs mindset into people, into salespeople, and I know it's a little foreign, and I know we don't have the sample, but man, if we can get there, I just feel like it's so much more empowering. Right. So I, I want to talk about how they can access your research and what you're doing there. But any recommendations, say you're an SDR or BDR, you're listening to this and you're going, okay, I've been putting out a lot of messaging and I'm just not getting much response. I'm not getting anything back. What's the first thing that they can do? You mentioned some of this, but what's what's two or three things that they can do to start that, that uh, research project on their own approach? Yeah. I mean, if you remember from marketing, right, there's a great term they use called A-B testing. And I know most of us know, but in sales, we don't often practice it. So you usually just want to start there. And I'll just give one example, right? So I, I do believe that we have multiple pillars of a cadence, things that you can actually utilize. I go aggressive to passive. Phone, text, voicemail, email, social, high-impact mailers. Those are the tool set that you can potentially use. So, for example, one of the things I just did, it's in play right now with one of my SDRs. His name is Kaysen Flake. <laughs> I always say Kaysen. He'll hate me for that. It's Kaysen Flake. It's Kaysen Flake. Um, I got another <laughs> Kaysen. So me and Kaysen Flake, we did this exact thing. We have 30 contacts, excuse me, 60 total, 30 in each bucket. We have an email message with a subject line and a picture and an email. Then we are sending out a handwritten note card, what we call high-impact mailer. We've got 60, we got 30 emails, 30 handwritten note cards. We're sending those to different people and we're going to test the response rate and see how well it comes back. Now, that's a little bigger than you may want to go into, but you got a couple great principles there. One, A B testing, right? Run a couple things, uh, maybe a social message versus a phone call. Which one resonates with your target audience better? Number two, are you testing those different communication methods? Are you actually saying, God, I'm a, I'm, I'm a social seller game and I love social selling hogwash. Go with what works, you know, email. If email's working with your audience, do more of that, but don't fall in love with it because it's easy. Test, test the phone call, get the, get the kahunas to do it. And then see if you can start to test some of those different principles. The only thing we're testing right now is the communication modality, email versus a note card. Every single thing the subject line, the text in both of those are going to be the exact same. So 
For you, I'd say get an email and get two different subject lines. Just test those two and then go with one that works. Same thing on an in-mail. Try an in-mail, two different subject lines, see which ones work. It's just these little mini tests that I think can get you one extra percentage point in your contact rate. And that can get you, again, another opportunity, potentially an opportunity to close. That could make all the difference. And, and you know, it's funny because business is about results. What you're, what you're getting, all the, the activities and stuff are great, but at the end of the day, what are the results? And I, I think, you know, people get stuck in a pattern and they, they keep doing the same thing over and over again. They're not A-B testing. They're not trying something new. And they, it, it's like kind of a downward spiral, right? Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, and, and one thing that also made me think of is, you got to sharpen the axe. You know, there's that old thing about you keep chopping away at a, at a log, you know, and, and never taking the time to like step back and go, wait a minute, does this even make any sense? Right? <laughs> well, and, and, and especially in the SDR world, right? I yeah. mean, we get, it, you know, and, and I've been probably part of that push, but I'm a big believer in quality and quantity. But sometimes you just start pounding your head on the cement and you just keep doing quantity, quantity, quality. You don't take a step back and say, now, why am I dialing 75 dials a day again? I can't remember. You know, so yeah. sometimes it is helpful to kind of take a different look. It really is. It really is. And and so say, you know, someone's looking for some new ideas. Tell us about your your inside sales labs and some of the things that you have available there that they could potentially grab some new ideas, grab some new research, stuff like that. What, what can, where can they find that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, we do, we have something called labs.insightsales.com. It's a portal. We offer basically game plans at discounted prices. Those are hour long training modules that people can go pick up. Some are free, some are paid. So you could certainly go check that out. You can also go to insightsales.com slash research to find some of our stuff. And each month we produce a research report and it is just on random stuff. So the one that I thought was interesting is one we just produced last we produced last week, but it was on cadences. And this is such a buzzword. I mean, I think we all know, Dave, that it's like cadence, cadence, cadence. But I've been starting to think sometimes that cadence is actually Oh, it's like the emperor has no clothes, right? It's like we're all talking about it, but what is actually the definition of a cadence and how do you build a good cadence? So we went in to our data set and we actually looked at 9, 000, nearly 9,000, 8,742 companies, about almost 15,000 cadences. And what I mean by cadences, our definition is a sequence of activities to increase contact and qualification. Now, a lot of people are like, well, that's maybe a weird definition, but there was a lot of thought put into that. But we studied these 15,000 cadences to see if we couldn't figure out what is a more robust definition of cadence. What is the DNA of a cadence and how can people start to build and optimize their outreach strategy? And it was pretty fascinating, some of the results. And this is where you could say, you know, I don't think this is your end point. Because again, when you look at 9,000 companies, Dave, it's kind of like you get a lot of is, right? We had thousands and thousands of data points, but it's a great benchmark. It's a great baseline to say, okay, this is what companies are doing. And we got Salesforce in here, HubSpot. We looked at all the companies. I'm, I'm not revealing names, but I could tell you the cadence of any major tech company uh, across the United States, I, I would assume. But it provides that baseline to, for you to start to say, okay, what are their results? And then how can I start to build my own results knowing what is optimal? Okay. The, the, see, this is what's amazing about you guys because you have such a huge reach. 
and you're working with so many different companies, very huge, you know, sales development programs and recognized companies. And you have all this data that you can have access to. I mean, that must be really interesting for you running the labs, right? Well, I mean, Dave, <laughs> I, 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 the funny thing is I was talking with a, a gentleman who runs, he runs a research shop over in the Midwest. And I was telling about some of our studies, you know, we, we did one study on, it was more of a pipeline management study. We looked at 10 million sales opportunities to figure out what the heck's going on at the end of the month and quarter. You know, we're looking at 14,000 cadences across 9,000 companies. And his job just dropped and said, you know, normally we'll do a study and we'll, it'll be a survey of maybe 200 sales development reps or 300 sales development reps. He's like 10 million data points. <laughs> What the heck? Who are you? Where are you coming? It's such a different perspective. And one of the funny things, now you're getting me on my, my high horse here, David, so you got to cut me off. But one of the real interesting things about this Cadence study was to actually look at the difference of what people have said they've done in surveys versus what they're actually doing when it comes to certain types of cadence. Can I give you one quick example? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm thinking of surveys, it's like you just say whatever. I mean, you're just That's trying to get the guy off the phone. But what what's really going on, Gabe? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and, and again, I'll, 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 I got to tone this down just a little bit, but love Craig, love Topo, love what those guys are doing. But one of the things that you noted, they, they've got a, a survey out there, State of Sales Development, love it, fantastic. I'd recommend to go grab it. But they interviewed these sales development reps, I think 321, and they said, hey, what is the average number of touches that you put on an, on an inbound lead? Let's look at a persistency. Well, according to that study, they were sitting at 15.5. Well, when we analyze these 15,000 cadences across 9,000 companies, and again, not just SDRs, so keep that in mind. We found that the actual, the typical amount of touches was 4.05, not 15.5. Interesting dynamic there, what we think we're doing versus what the data actually says. And I could give you another 10 examples of there's this bias of what we believe to be true and versus what we're actually doing. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I've seen that in companies that I, I work with in that you know, I'll come in and, and set up a cadence for them to try for like a like a five point cadence of phone calls and emails sure. for, the, for them to work through and then come back. And, you know, the, they, they do the first two or three parts of the cadence and then it just completely drops off. And it's almost <laughs> like a management thing. It's, it's like, well, we made the cadence in order to run people through the cadence and you're dropping off after two or three touches you know, and, and the response usually is like, well, you know, they, they didn't they didn't write back and that cadence sucks, or, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, OK, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you nailed it. And that's the, the the interesting thing is when, when so we looked at the, those three elements, you know, what people had said they were doing, what people were actually doing and then which cadences were starting to work. And when it came to this type of lead, and I'm, I'm using this example of a lead that is generated from marketing, the interesting thing was what we found to be optimal was about 10 to 15 touches, total touches, which, again, just interesting that we believe we're doing about 15. We are actually doing four. But what the data says is actually best practice is about 10 to 15. So there was this weird dichotomy going on of, 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 of anyways, kind of how salespeople believe and then actually act kind of fun yeah you know no i mean i've been to the gym 
in my mind about 15 times this week, and I'm benching 300. But uh, <laughs> I think anybody who knows me knows that, that that's in my mind. That's not actually what's on paper. But Dave, yeah. Somebody actually wrote me and said there's an actual psycho psychological bias. It's called illusionary superiority. If you're a be yeah. behavioral economics student, uh, it is actually a diagnosable disease. So watch out. Okay. No, I, I could totally see that, man. And, and the other quick thing I wanted to ask you about is you, this recent study was on inbound qualification, right? So it was inbound uh, – cadences that you were running against leads that came in, you know, various hot, medium, cold, That's were correct. Inbound, correct. Now inbound, it's interesting because I've got a very strong opinion that inbound and outbound are two different jobs and they've got two different sets of metrics and they should not be, uh, you should not have a hybrid in most cases, unless you only have one SDR, then of course you can have a hybrid. But do you ever look at outbound? Because it feels like outbound is way harder to measure, uh, you know, because there's so many variables. You're going cold. You're going out cold. You guys ever look at outbound? Yeah, we have. And I'm hoping that our October study, because mm. exactly the way you pitched it, I mean, to, to, to have a, a blended team, we would just consider best, not best practice. If you've got if you're trying to merge your inbound and outbound teams together, uh, shame on you, because there's a lot of things that are problematic about that. And so from a research standpoint, we've completely separated the two as well. We've said, let's look at an inbound cadence, what people are doing and what are best practices. And then let's start to look at an outbound cadence. You should see in October, I think it'll be right now, it looks like we'll be looking at 17 million outbound cadences. That's kind of the numbers that we're playing with right now. And again, very important that you separate the two because it's just not even the same. You can't even... You can't compare apples and oranges here. So the initial stuff, what, what we're finding is it's completely different because l l let me just break a, one, one, one more thing down real quick. Because when we look at cadence, we've basically found from this study, and this is one of the things we wanted to get out of it. There's really five elements of a cadence. If someone's going to optimize their cadence, you've got to build these five elements. And I want to throw this out because this is the fundamental piece. You get these five pieces and you'll start to see how different it is between an inbound team and an outbound team. So let me throw out the five just real quick. So we talked about attempts. That's just your overall number of touches. Next, you've got the media, which is basically the communication method or the media pattern that was utilized. Number three is duration. And that's going to be your length of time from start to finish, you know, first touch to last touch. Then you have spacing, and spacing is the time between each activity. And then last but not least, you have your content, the messaging actually utilized within an email, within a voicemail, within a social touch. Content being the, the compounder, probably the most effective piece of the overall cadence. So don't want to bore you here, Dave, but goodness, when you look at those five elements and you compare them from an inbound team to some of the initial data we're seeing on an outbound team – it's just night and day different, not night and day difference, both in what people are doing and in what best practices are. Okay. No, that, this is super interesting because I, I just, as a practitioner and a manager of sales development, I, I, it was just sort of through trial and error that I realized that, Hey, the, the, the whole, uh, the whole hybrid thing is just not working because the sales development rep 
you know, you get into like a bright, shiny object situation where wouldn't you rather call someone who's an inbound lead versus a list of outbound prospects? I mean, that was just me observing that that's just human nature, it seems. Oh, yeah. It's like, right? why, would I, why would I not accept the gravy train that's coming to me <laughs> versus going out knocking cold on someone's door? I mean, absolutely. You know, we call it the law of specialization, whether you yes. like it or not. You know, if you are spending one third of your time doing a different task, you are ripe to be specialized. And and yeah. it can be a little bit scary when you come into these orgs and you've got, well, I'm, I've got an SDR and I'm trying to do outbound and inbound. I got target accounts and I'm, I'm following up on trade show leads as well. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, we, we, we need to think about that because the law of specialization says you're going to go to the lowest common denominator where there's the least amount of effort or pushback. So that's the contact us leads. That's where you're going. If it's the trade show leads, that means the target accounts are never being hit. So there's actually good, good data to back that up as well, Dave. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, that's why I brought it up because I, I was just sort of using my own experience to try to explain it to people. But gosh, if you've got some data you know, it's sure better than an opinion, you know, when you're in a meeting with a senior executive and you're trying to say, we need to specialize our, our team. And they're like, okay, well, what do you have to back it up? Now, you, what you're saying is you guys actually have looked at this and you do have some data to back that up. Yeah, I mean, we're actually coming out with a new study that probably will help a little bit more on this to crystallize it. But we're calling it just the state of sales. we got 1,500 companies. It is just a survey. But the, the linchpin is on that inbound team. The, the most it, – it, that inbound sales development team, if it's specialized, you can get such a, an effort increase there. You can get such a productivity increase because you have warm leads talking to warm people. And if you mess that point up, you, you just lose so much kind of cream on top. So that's one of these specialty roles where companies are really reporting that they're seeing – a large increase in, in results. And, you know, this, this may not be something that you've touched on, but a trend that I've seen, there's been a few vendors that have started to come out where instead of having an inbound SDR, they, they assign a bot to the, to the inbound lead to try to work the inbound lead through the process using artificial intelligence. Have you seen that come up? Have you heard that in conversation or done any research on that? Yeah, no, no research on it yet. Okay. I think the point is interesting, mostly because this the whole e-commerce, the whole e-commerce world is, as inside sales has started to take on more field sales responsibilities, so e-commerce is starting to take on more inside sales responsibilities. And so, is there a place for that? I I believe absolutely. Do we have good research on that the results or what's going to happen there? Not at this place, but. You're right. The bot concept, I think, can be very effective. Will it replace the the inbound sales development rep? I don't know. I mean, we've seen right now there's been big trends of pushing sales development and outsourcing it, but we've not seen kind of the death of the in, in-house sales development team. I actually, we didn't do a lot of research, but we did do some interviews of companies who, not with bots, but they were doing kind of the automated phone response where they would basically do an outbound call. You've probably heard it with American Express, but it sounds like a real individual and kind of walks you through, hey, I saw you downloaded a document. Would you like to talk to somebody? But it's all an automated operator. So I know of some companies doing that, and it's been some somewhat okay. I think we're always going to play in this realm of 
personalization and automation. You know, where is too far? Where is not far enough? And I assume we'll slip up a few times as we have, I think sometimes with emails, you see, you know, sales development reps turn it into email marketers. And sometimes they go a little far down that template and, and the, uh, you know, the all, all the emails tools we can do. You got to bring it back sometimes to personalization, but finding that balance, I think will be key. Yeah, I, I think um, I think we're brainstorming some future research, you know, uh, because one uh, analogy I heard was the future of the SDR will be sort of like Iron Man, where there's, there's got to be a human. You got to have Tony Stark in the suit, but he's got all these computers and rockets and everything that he can use at the touch of a button. But the reason I bring that up is, you know, you know, one research study is one company uses AI to do inbound. One company uses a human inbound team who's getting better results. It's it's hard to do the apples and oranges. But and then another one is I, I'm a VP of sales. I've tried my SDR program. It's not working. Should I outsource? You know, I mean, where do they go to say I, I actually get that question a lot in my consultancy? You know, should I just pitch this and outsource it to somebody? And I know that anybody who has an outsourced company is probably like, yeah, you sure should. <laughs> I mean, there's there's also, you know, there's like a lot of reasons to have it in-house, you know, for the institutional knowledge and things like that. Yeah, I mean, those are those are both great, Dave. I, I, I can't argue mm-hmm. with either one of them. And, I, and on neither of them, I'm a little surprised, actually. On, on the AI piece in the bot, that's new enough that I'm not really surprised that our, uh, us or other people haven't really dove into the, the research aspect of that. But, God, the outsourcing one, ugh, you're right. I mean, that we somebody needs to do something on that because that's a little bit of a – I get that question a lot, a lot as well. I don't think there's a great answer. I mean, you can kind of probably highlight some case studies on both sides. And from an ROI perspective, I don't have the answer. I, I think that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, it could it could make sense. I mean, I, I hate to you know, you're from a consulting background, so I, I don't want to give the consulting answer. Well, it depends on your situation. You know, it could make sense for you. But I think that's actually, you know, a lot of times that is the right answer. I mean, you know, maybe it does make sense for some people. I mean, a, again, results. Business is about results. So it's whatever can get you the best results. I don't feel like there's a lot of research out to say, maybe I should outsource versus not depending on where, where I am as a, you know, VP of sales, for, for example. But this is great. Gabe, what's, what's next for you guys? I, I know that when I read up on your research, Neuralytics was a, a hot topic. You know, what are you guys doing with all this data from a product perspective? Can you talk a little bit about your roadmap moving forward or any, any little hints for people that are either customers of you guys or they're thinking about getting involved? Yeah, so you know, the, from a research standpoint, we're gearing up. We, we've got a state of sales where we're just looking at the market of kind of remote sales across the uh, Europe and the United States, and we've got some benchmarking pieces coming out on that. You know, close rates, what the average account executive is doing, um, how fast the industry is growing, the average number of sales acceleration tools uh, reps are using, uh, the average spend per rep that companies are spending. So kind of that flavor, that'll be out in a couple of weeks. And then I'm pretty excited about your conference coming up September 21st and and the possibility that we'll be launching a state of sales development that'll follow a little bit similar suit. And, and right now, Dave, truthfully, I'm, 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 t- I'm writing a note to myself about getting some stuff in there about outsourcing. I think that might 
be the first time we try to tackle that. I love adding that question to it, but we'll be looking at state of sales development and it'll be mostly, a, a, again, a more of a survey approach, but we'll be looking at technology and best practices and what people are doing. So that one I'm pretty excited about. We'll be doing that in partnership with you and, and, and uh, some of the cool things you guys are doing around the conference. And I could go on and on, but after that, we're going to dive back into the the data and our neurolytics database. We're going to be looking at three things, and that's going to be outbound cadences, as we talked about. Then we're going to be looking at phone calls, going deep, deep, deep into phone calls and deep, deep, deep into emails. As I mentioned, we got almost a billion phone calls, and we want to figure out, you know, is cold calling really dead? I, I mean, I can I can answer that. I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to go subjective anymore. I can say we looked at a you know couple a couple hundred thousand or a couple million prospecting phone calls, and this is what the actual contact rate is across the industry. So those are kind of the four or five are coming up, and then expect to see you know once a month we're trying to get more of those experiments. So we just did the coffee play, an awesome account based sales play that we ran internally and have been having some killer results on. I've got another experiment coming out that we did on what, what we'll probably call the lunch play. And I'll tease that here, won't give you too many details, but what we've been finding sales development teams doing around offering lunch to kind of get that next meeting and how they built a sales cadence around that. So those are probably some of the more fun things that we're working on, cooking up in the labs department, if you will. Oh man, I I know I, I picture you with like a white coat and a bunch of right. burner. And I got my glasses and I got my my periodic table here somewhere as well. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's just there's just such a need for real factual data based research, and and like you said, I I can't wait to get you on the stage at the sales development conference to to run through the research that you're working on. I'm sure that your your research team hates the sound of that, but um, we're putting them to work, man, because we need this stuff. We really need this stuff. So I appreciate yeah. that, Gabe. Oh, well, man, it's been fun chatting. It's such a yeah. great topic and something that I think is ever, it's growing. And the reason it's growing is because people can see, they're seeing results. But to your point, we're still lacking a lot of base principles, best practices, structures, optimization themes, things like that. And so Guys like you and I hopefully can help facilitate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm really excited to work with you. Thank you for coming on the show and all these great tips and information, Gabe. Uh, you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you in September, man. Thanks.